Welcome to the Bioinnovation Spotlight at Life Science Org. I'm your host, Dr. David Kirk, and I talk to the people behind early stage translational life science across Europe whose innovative research today may be the blockbusters and game changing technologies of tomorrow. This podcast is produced for Life Science Org, a community where European life science CEOs, founders, and investors can connect, share, and engage with one another. Life Science Org community members get exclusive early access to these episodes, as well as a network of their peers regular expert insights and sessions with leaders in life science, as well as useful resources for life science executives. Join the conversation at www.lifescienceorg.com. I'm joined this week by Pedro Correa de Sampaio, co-founder and CEO of Neobe Therapeutics, a London-based spin-out of Deep Science Ventures and Cancer Research UK. They're leveraging synthetic biology tools to develop tumor-disrupting live biotherapeutics, Pedro, thank you for joining me on the show. Thank you, David. It's a pleasure. Uh, the first thing I'd like to ask you is, uh, what is your scientific background and why did you decide to become an entrepreneur? So my, my background is in, is in cancer research. I, it's kind of what I uh, always wanted to do pretty much since I uh, got into biology, which is, which is what I did my undergrad on back in Portugal. Uh, and I very much did that with the purpose of, of going into cancer research. It was just a, a biological problem that I thought was fascinating. And obviously, you know, we all have people around us that have uh, suffered from the disease and I do as well. So it's, you know, a clinical problem that needs new solutions. And it was just something that I was interested in. Um, I did my PhD originally in cancer biology uh, in, in, at the University of Cambridge here in the UK. And from the beginning of my research career, what I was particularly interested in was the tumor microenvironment, basically everything that is part of, of what is a tumor that isn't the cancer cell. So everything that's that, that provides support and nutrition to the tumor from the vasculature to kind of fibroblasts, the extracellular matrix that provide it with support components of the immune system, etc. Just because to me, it, it always made sense that if you're looking at a disease that one of its main characteristics is, is genetic instability. It just makes sense to me to try to go after its scaffolding rather than to try and target cells that by definition are always going to find ways around that particular type of treatment. So I did that. Then I moved to the States to uh, continue my cancer uh, research career. I did a, a postdoc in, in Houston at the MD Anderson Cancer Center for a few years where I continued studying different components of the microenvironment. And it, it was an area that started gaining a lot more attention, particularly as immunotherapy became kind of a blockbuster yeah. and changed everything. Uh, yeah. the, the concept of uh, sort of harnessing an immune response against against the cancer really has been the biggest sort of breakthrough in, 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 in cancer research in the past decade. But as I progressed in my career, I kind of, even though what I always wanted to do was sort of basic research, because I understand that everything that we do comes from the back of of you know, discovering of the, of the discoveries on the basic mechanisms of how everything works. But for me personally, it was starting to become a little frustrating to sort of be stuck in this academic uh, vicious cycle of you're basically working towards what your next publication and what your next grant is going to be. And then you mm -hmm. go from grant to publication to grant to publication, right? And it's, uh, you know, obviously 
important and a lot of incredible research is done like this, but I got into cancer research to try to make a difference. And as I got a little bit older, I started feeling more of a need to have uh, an actual tangible application of what I'm working on, have, have my research actually sort of uh, turn into something that has real world application. And I started becoming interested in, in entrepreneurship like that. And to take some of the, the research I'd done, particularly in the tumor microenvironment and see how we could harness that into trying to actually create some change for cancer patients. You mentioned a lot about the tumor microenvironment. Um, is this the great unmet need that you're targeting with NEO? Yeah, uh, that that's the main thing. That's sort of been my my research interest from from a very early age, as I mentioned before. And there's, uh, I think that with the as I said, with the advent of immunotherapy, it one of the things that became clear is that while harnessing an immune response against cancer can be incredibly uh, effective. It's mostly so far been effective in a very small subset of cancers and a small, small subset of tumors. It's been uh, fantastically effective in liquid tumors, things like leukemias and some solid tumors um, that are particularly uh, infiltrated by immune cells already. But I think in one of your previous podcasts, it, it's been, uh, we, we've, we've talked about the differences between hot and cold tumors, right? Tumors mm -hmm. that have sort of naturally high levels of immune cells infiltrating the tumor and tumors that, that don't. And that is to do uh, with the microenvironment of these solid tumors. That is to do with how I've used this word before, how the scaffolding works. Um, and what we're understanding now is that it's also not completely binary. It's not just either a tumor is hot and has a bunch of immune cells or it's cold and there's no immune reaction at all. There's some tumors that are somewhere in between that are called immune excluded tumors where you clearly have an immune reaction against the tumor. There are immune cells that are being activated to recognize these cancer cells, but they just physically cannot get to their site of action. Mm -hmm. This is where I kind of, I usually like to use the, the metaphor of tumors as a castle and immune cells as an army trying to overtake that castle. Mm -hmm. And there is a subset of tumors that builds really effective walls around them to prevent these immune cells from coming in. And in those cases, it really doesn't matter how you know sophisticated the weapons are that you give to this army in the form of sort of next generation immunotherapies, checkpoint inhibitors, et cetera. They can't get inside. They're not mm. going to be able to do their job. And that is what the microenvironment does. It builds these walls that prevents the immune system from, from getting in. But... The problem that we have with the tumor microenvironment is that it's not the cancer cells. All of these components that you have in the microenvironment from the extracellular matrix that I'm particularly interested in, things like collagens, et cetera, that create this network of fibers that makes the tumors really, really stiff and difficult to infiltrate. All of these components are the same that you have in all of your normal organs that provides them with structure, that provides them uh, with functionality. Mm. And if you try to develop a drug that, that targets these or any other component of the microenvironment like the vasculature, et cetera, you run the risk of having really severe toxicities because you're targeting these components all around your body. So then what you need, now that we understand how important the tumor microenvironment is and how important it is to target it, is a way of targeting the microenvironment specifically in the tumor and not in the rest of the body. And that's where the challenge is. 
I, to, to use your metaphor, uh, how are you now using your technology to help arm this uh, army trying to lay siege to the castle that is a solid tumor? Well, I guess we're, we're taking a bit of a lesson from, from mythology and we're trying to make our own Trojan horses to take apart <laughs> the walls from, from within. But uh, to do this, what we uh, ended up deciding to do was to, to use microscopic Trojan horses in the form of, of, as you said in the introduction, live biotherapeutics. Now, what are live biotherapeutics? They're mm. basically um, safe, tumor colonizing bacterial strains that we can engineer to remodel the physical properties of the tumor from the inside. So what we're doing is basically taking strains of bacteria that we know have an innate capability of colonizing these tumors because the type of, of environment that you have within a solid tumor is just ideal for these bacteria to grow in terms of nutrient availability, in terms of levels of oxygen, et cetera. And we're taking these bacteria and we're genetically engineering them to have a switch that turns them on when they are inside the tumor. And once they're activated, they will produce a payload that will degrade specific components of the wall that is keeping the immune cell out. So by activating these bacteria only in the tumor, we are able to take apart these barriers there and get immune cells to come in without affecting the rest of the healthy tissues. And as the immune cells come into the tumor, then these patients are amenable to immunotherapeutic strategies. So we turn non-responders into responders through the use of our bacteria. Okay. So you're not targeting the kind of tumor cells directly. You're taking down the walls from the inside of this castle. Exactly. I've never heard of anything like this. Is there anything that is uh, similar? If we talk to people who aren't necessarily super familiar with the field and we say, oh yeah, we're using bacteria to treat cancer, people go like, what bacteria, really? Uh, and what people don't, don't understand is that, that this has been around for quite a while. This has been known since the end of the 19th century, beginning of the 20th century, when there was this uh, physician called William Coley who realized that some of his patients that had sarcomas went into full remission uh, when they had an infection caused by, by streptococcus bacteria. And this infection led to a complete disappearance of these of these sarcomas. And that's because eventually he figured out or, or he postulated that it was because these bacteria were exactly triggering an immune response and that immune response was was uh, was eliminating the, the tumor. And because of this, Coley is actually known as the father of immunotherapy. So mm. it's kind of uh, sort of we're going full circle where now that immunotherapy has become such a, such a game changer in cancer, we can go back to the discoveries of the father of immunotherapy and go like, well, how can we actually use these bacteria to get these immunotherapies to work better? And there are a few different companies that are working on this, but most of the companies that are working on this tend to be using the bacteria in the way that it was, you know, originally idealized by Coley by by enhancing this immune reaction, by delivering payloads that are going to activate immune cells or remove the breaks from the immune cells or activate, you know, cancer cells to produce things to attract uh, immune cells into them. What no one else is doing is is changing the bacteria slightly to instead of targeting the immune system, 
targets the barriers to the immune system alteration, and that's what makes us different. Uh, and, and we know that that's an area that needs targeting, and, and there's, there's a few companies that are trying to take apart these barriers, but I think that by using bacteria, that is going to uh, give us an edge in that we have the possibility of taking apart the extracellular matrix specifically in the tumor without affecting the rest of the body. And I think that is what's going to allow us to get to this point where we can improve immunotherapies for all of these patients that currently don't respond. That sounds fantastic. In a year's time, 12 months time, where do you hope to be with uh, Neob? We're still a very early stage company. We got established in the beginning of 2021, so right in the middle of the, of the COVID pandemic. So <laughs> great, timing. great timing, right? Uh, but it was actually, you know, it was actually great because, you know, we, we got to actually focus on building the company. It's not like we could be doing a lot of other things at that point, right? And the company sort of has been slowly working on the development of our bacterial products. And that meant a lot of genetic engineering, a lot of building the genetic circuits that, that will make our bacteria into the Trojan horses that we want them to be, which includes, you know, uh, expression of our, of our payload engineering of the, of the switches to turn them on in the tumor microenvironment, et cetera. And we're now getting to the point where we've got uh, a couple of prototypes that we're working on. And over the next year, the main focus is really going to be to start taking these bacteria and and showing efficacy and proving that it works. And that means work, we've got a, we've got a, a great ongoing collaboration with an academic group at the Bart Skinser uh, Institute here in London at Queen Mary University, where they've developed uh, um, a, a patient-derived explant system to to study the microenvironment of these tumors in in the dish, but from patient-derived material, and we're using that. To, to look at the efficacy of our bacteria, and we're going to need to start taking them into in vivo studies, into, uh, into tumor-bearing uh, animal models. And hopefully, at the end of this year, we will have proven that the bacteria is safe, that the bacteria goes to the tumor, and that the bacteria in the tumor does what we've engineered them to do. Mm. And then at that point, hopefully, we'll be able to raise an additional fundraising round to start thinking about preclinical development and, and going into the clinic within the next sort of four to five years. Oh, wow. Okay. It sounds like you've got a good plan laid out. This is, I look forward to talking to you again in the future. Pedro, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me. Thank you, David. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. If you are an early stage life science company or translational project ready to spin out and you're based in Europe, you can get on the show by going to lifescienceorg.com forward slash bioinnovation. Talk to you soon.